It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. It is Pushing the Limits time. So glad you could join us. It's good to be back. A little bit under the weather on Friday. Uh, Mac Miller did a good job filling in. We'll get to that. It's good to be back on the radio again. It's been several days. It's like riding a bike. Been doing it for a while, but it's good to be back here. We got Chris Wynn in studio co-hosting with me today. My official permanent co-host, Guy David, will be starting tomorrow. So looking forward to that. People have been asking about Jamie. He's starting his own show this week. And uh, here we are. We have a lot to get to, a lot to go over today. Very happy to announce the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dan Duva, will be joining us in hour number two. Uh, plenty to get to when it comes to VGK. Of course, game two tonight at the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I have a lot to talk about there. I also have a lot to get to when it comes to the NBA Finals. Last night was a fun game to watch. Uh, I picked the Miami Heat to win yesterday. I was right. What do you know? So we'll get to that. Talk a little bit about uh, John Bolton making an appearance on CNN. Did not have a lot of uh, positive things to say about Donald Trump. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the program. Chris, good to see you. How's it going? It's going great, Brian. Good to join you again. It is Monday, of course, uh, coming out of another smack dab packed up weekend across the board here in Las Vegas. A lot to get to. Uh, from all fronts, whether it's politics, sports, and beyond. Yeah. And yes, uh, yes, break, breaking news, folks. PTL Live, Numchuck and company here in studio. Brian Shapiro won a sports bet yesterday. I did. He hit it. He knocked yeah. it out. So more when it comes to the NBA finals. So I more- think that is something that is absolutely worth <laughs> noting. Again, Brian started with the open. I just had to add on to it because yes. it did happen, folks. Yes, it did. So, uh, I'll tell you something else that did happen. A woman by the name of Stephanie Phillips. Uh, if you don't know who she is, and I would imagine most of you don't know who she is, uh, she's running for senator. Uh, Mac Miller filled in for me on Friday. Now, listen, Mac's a Republican. I have no problem with Republicans uh, hosting the show. Mac did a good job. Stephanie Phillips has uh, said that she she doesn't want to do my show. She's she is she doesn't want to. Well, do she, my doesn't do, she did your show Friday, yeah, right? right? She but doesn't she doesn't want to do, do your show. home when you're hosting yeah. the show. And um, so let me give you a brief history before I get okay. to some of the idiotic <laughs> comments that she made on my show on Friday. But um, so I've done some voluntary work for a group called Veterans in Politics, mostly a, a, a right wing group. But I don't care about that because they're nice people for the most part. Very nice people. And these are people that served our country honorably. And I'm happy to you know, donate my time to help any organization when it comes to our veterans, our heroes, right? So this was maybe a year ago, maybe a little longer than that. I don't know. But I was asked to moderate a gubernatorial debate. Uh, there were 11 people running for governor at the time. Joe Lombardo uh, did not show up to this debate, but it was the usuals, you know, Joey Gilbert, Dean Heller, the usual clowns. And um, Stephanie Phillips, who I had never met before, I guess she's a real estate agent. I don't know. Uh, she was part of the panel that would ask questions, right? So she asked the question, do you think Donald Trump won the 2020 election? I was at this gubernatorial debate as the moderator for eight hours. It's the job of a moderator to not be opinionated, but to speak out when somebody says something that's not factually accurate. In eight hours, I only interjected twice. And trust me, I had to listen to a bunch of diarrhea at that eight hours, and it was horrible. Just utter nonsense oh, everywhere. it was terrible. Yeah. But, I, but I didn't interject. 
Yeah. I only interjected twice. Eight out of 11 people answered Stephanie Phillips' question and said that they believe Donald Trump won the 2020 election. So I interjected, as a moderator is supposed to do, and I said there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud uh, that would lead you to believe that Donald Trump won. That's all I said. Which is a factually accurate statement. And it holds true to yes. this day. 100%. And Stephanie yeah. Phillips went up in arms and she had a uh, a pissy fit. And, uh, started she act like a seven-year-old. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. she was disrespectful towards me. And the other time I interjected was six hours later. And by the way, I knew this woman was a nut job right off the bat. Oh, she's a, she's a, you know, a Trumper MAGA. Mm-hmm. She believes Trump won the 2020 election. She's a conspiracy theorist. Then six hours later, I don't remember one of the, um, candidates that lost said that COVID was a hoax. I interjected <laughs> and we can all disagree with how COVID was handled, but it wasn't a hoax. Over a million people died. I was almost one of them. So I interjected. I said, no, sir. COVID's not a hoax. I almost died. And I know people that have died. So she interjected again with her stupid nonsense. Oh, the hospitals lied and that many people didn't die. Blah, 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 blah. So she's a complete idiot, right? I knew that right from the get-go. She's a moron. Now, I've had idiots and morons come on this show before. Absolutely, Because have. it's good yes. radio and I enjoy a good debate. And I'll be- I, I'm on this show once a week. So what are you yeah, talking about? That's true. So I'll be respectful to them. I'll be respectful to them so long as they're respectful to me. Anyway, I've invited her on the show multiple times. She, she, you know, won't respond and she's been very disrespectful to me. And when someone's disrespectful to me, I'm going to be disrespectful to them. That's yeah, just that, the way I am. That's part of the course right there. Um, so anyway, one of her opponents, Rhonda Kennedy, she's been on my show multiple times. She's running for senator. Now, I disagree with her on a lot of issues, but I respect her. Why do I respect her? Because she's willing to have a debate and she's willing to, to get into it with someone because she's, she's at least, uh, smart enough to be able to, Attempt to defend her beliefs and debate somebody. I respect anybody that's willing to do that. And she has the guts to come on your show. Correct. Basically, she, she's yeah. willing to be challenged. And by the basically. way, Rhonda Kennedy is going to be coming on the show tomorrow. So I respect her for doing that. And I told her that on the phone today. Um, so Stephanie won't do my show. So when did Stephanie decide to do my show? When I wasn't here because she's a coward. Mac Miller filled in for me on Friday and she came on this show. When Mac Miller hosted the show, and by the way, I don't have a problem with Mac asking her to come on. He, I said, you get on any guest you want. I don't have a problem with Mac doing that. I have a problem with her being a coward. She is a coward. So I want to play you a little bit of that interview she did with Mac. Okay. And I want to start out because this is Stephanie Phillips' platform. She's not talking about gun control. She's not talking about health care. She's not talking about the real issues. The economy. That people, right, the economy. Correct, Chris. She's not talking about... The real issues. Mac Miller asked her, what is your platform? You know, running for senator. Right. What, and, and listen to her response. The kids of our country are being targeted, and I want to protect the kids at all levels. This ideological war that we're in, this culture war, and they keep pushing on our kids. And also the trafficking that is going on at our border and, and elsewhere. We need to get a handle on that kind of thing. I also will uphold and defend our constitutional rights. And those definitely have been hampered over the last few years. What we saw during COVID, the things I didn't even recognize our country at times. And those end veterans, you know, those things. Okay, so first of all, first of all, <laughs> so she, many things. She just says, off that, just off that minute and a half clip, Brian. Right? So many things to talk about. Okay, I agree. So first of all, she says to she wants to protect our kids at all levels. She talks about critical race theory and how teachers are indoctrinating kids. But this dope, because that's what she is. She's a dope. She'll never talk about the leading cause of death in children, 
which is guns, gun violence. She won't talk about that. She'll talk about how critical race theory, which, by the way, virtually doesn't exist in society. She'll talk about, now listen, child trafficking, horrible. I'm all we all disagree with that. We all, all want to all rectify that. that situation. But she talks about how she wants to protect our kids, but yet she doesn't have any implementation of policies on how she would do that. Uh, idiotic. Unqualified for the job. She is a dope. Okay? And that's her whole platform. That's her. And somehow uh, she sells homes, and I guess that gets her qualified to become a senator. I, I don't know. But... Again, I would ask her, and again, she doesn't want to be challenged because she's a dope. I would say, all right, you want to protect kids? How many kids have died from learning about critical race theory? How many kids have died in libraries from, from, uh, you know, getting storybook time from, from drag queens? How many kids have died? Now, obviously the answer is zero, right? And then I would say the number one cause of death in children is guns. What are you going to do about that? But she doesn't want to talk about that because she doesn't have any answers. Because why? Because Stephanie Phillips is a dope. And then it gets worse, Chris. And I want to play a couple cuts, and then I want you to, to respond to... Well, I can respond first to this clip Go after ahead. you. Go right. ahead. But, but keep going. Um, this is what, why Stephanie Phillips is also a liar. Because now she wants to talk about how, oh, we can get along on other sides of the aisle, and I want to hear others. Listen to this. To me, we, we all have discussions, and we can have calm logical discussions and i want to hear why someone believes in what they believe and i want them to hear why i believe in what i believe and there's no reason why we can't have a discussion because i bet you if you put 10 issues on the table we all across the board would agree on seven out of ten of those i agree and there's you know and and there's people on both sides that don't want to to listen or, or have discussion but i believe the majority of america we're in the middle and we can make this work. I don't believe that we're as divided as what the media would have you believe. I think. Okay. Well, that's interesting, Stephanie, because you blocked me on social media. You refuse to come on this show. Your opponent, Rhonda Kennedy, who I would say at times sounds like she's even more far to the right than you, has been more than willing to come on this show. She's been on this show multiple times, a mutual respect, and she's actually coming on the show tomorrow. So you are a BS liar. And you're a coward. You come on this show because you don't want to be challenged because Mac Miller's hosting the show. And you refuse to come on the show when I'm here. You are a coward. She goes on social media and she says, I've had so many people the last few days reach out to me. I'm sure so many people are like four or five people asking where I stand on various issues. Uh, I appreciate each, each one who does so. I welcome conversations with all voters. Well, I'm a voter. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're a liar. And she doesn't have the mental fortitude to be able to be challenged uh, on some of her beliefs. And I heard through a mutual friend that, uh, you know, she doesn't like me and she lost respect for me. Oh, why is that? Because I challenge you? Why is that? Because you're full of crap when you say Trump won the 2020 election. You're no better than Alex Jones. You have no medical experience at all, but you think you're, you, you should be the lead COVID doctor in this country? You think you have all the answers to COVID? You sell homes. You, you have no medical experience, and you're an idiot. That's what you are, and you have no chance to win. Zero. Oh, by the way, it went, it went on. It goes on, Chris, about protecting the kids. She went on more about protecting the kids. Have a listen to this. Much more Because the, the issues that I'm talking about, these are our kids. This crosses all borders and lines and, and political parties. This is not a party thing. This is the protecting our kids. This is all parents. You know, so... These, some of these issues are just not 
of Republican or Democrat issue. This is a mom and dad and, and grandparents and aunt and uncle. This is, no, it's not. Kids. No, exactly. it's not. The only people talking about critical race theory and the only people talking about how teachers are indoctrinating our kids are idiot Republicans. Democrats aren't talking about these issues. I haven't heard one liberal parent say, oh, my God, my child is is being forced to be a transgender or gay. I haven't heard any Democrats talk about that. You idiot. It's Republicans that are talking far right Republicans like you with no brain that have an IQ of 20 that think the biggest issue facing this country is a teacher in a school saying it's okay to be gay or it's okay to be transgender. You moron. You dummy. I want to talk to all the, I want to talk to all the, the Democrats that disagree with me. I want to listen to them, but I'm going to block Brian Shapiro and I won't go on his show. Let me be very clear on this. I'm not Tucker Carlson. Okay. Nobody has to come on this show. I'm not entitled. If people don't want to come on the show, that's fine, but own it. You don't want to be challenged. It's very simple because you're not smart enough. You don't want to be challenged with your idiotic takes about the 2020 election. When you say Trump on the election, you're a, you're a flat earther is what you are. You're a dope and you're unqualified and you have no chance to win. None. Zero. I speak my piece. Go ahead, Chris. That was, that was another outstanding brian shapiro not very happy that uh, this woman is not coming on the show uh look i listened to a couple of the clips obviously uh she makes some very vague statements regarding protecting our children uh by the way there's an insinuation there when 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 right-wingers or anybody in america make comments like that regarding we need to protect our children this and that they are insinuating that those of us on the left who are Democrats do not want to protect children. Right. That we don't care about children. And it's insulting. And it's infuriating. And as Brian knows, and probably a lot of you listeners don't know out there, I'm someone who likes to rant and rave as well, too. And I'll get upset. But right now, I just, I'm just, I'm tired of having unserious people act like they are qualified to run for public office and be in public office and quite frankly to be honest yes there's just a lot of people that are in washington dc right now that have no business being in a position of leadership or or being lawmakers in this country mm -hmm. and i don't know stephanie at all i don't know i to be honest with you i i heard i heard the interview on on friday and again i'll go back to it when, when you make comments like that regarding we need to protect the kids you're being kind of sanctimonious in that you, you, you know, you act like, oh, I'm one of the people that are standing up for our children in America. Yet you don't even have any basis as to what you're talking about. And what I mean by that is this. When she makes those comments, I, I don't know whether she's referring to undocumented immigrants coming from the border, harming her kid, our kids. I don't know if she's talking about. Everything that's uh, uh, that some people on the right and some bigots out there in the last couple years, three years, four years, five years, the last six months are, are talking about the LGBTQ community, right? And transgender people harming children. I don't know what she's referring to when she's saying that our children are under attack or are in, in some way at risk. Yes, children are at risk every day in this country. And by the way, Brian, you pointed it out regarding what's the main Killer of children in America. It's not drag queens. It's gun violence, right? Yeah. It's not drag queens reading to your kids. It's not some t-shirts 
or bathing suits hanging in a department store somewhere that people are up in arms about. It's it's none of that. And so this is the problem I have with people like right-wingers like this, like Stephanie and others, where they create an issue where there is not one. You brought up critical race theory. No, it is not a major issue in America. It never has been. There, uh, The majority of this country didn't even know what CRT was before 2020. Mm-hmm. They had no idea what it was. All of a sudden, now it becomes an issue. So, again, this is unserious people that are vying to be representatives in our government and vying to make decisions. They're people that have absolutely positively no business. I don't know what her career was. You said whatever. I don't know what her career was. And look, this is not me sitting back and saying, look, I'm someone who's worked in the service industry. I've been a waiter, a bartender, a busser in the service industry for 40 plus years on and off. I've also worked in the media for a lot of years on the air. All right. So I'm not sitting here as someone saying, well, you, because you did, did this for a living because you're a real estate agent, you shouldn't be able to work in government. Absolutely not. There's people that are that do take it seriously and that do have solutions and that do have policies that come from those types of backgrounds. Absolutely. I'm not one of those people sitting here saying, oh, yeah, you got to you got to have years of seasoning and experience to to work in government. I'm not saying that at let all. Me, let me let me just. Say- so let me so let me just 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 top it off. So this is the problem with people that are not serious people and that don't have actual solutions and don't have any policies whatsoever and just want to. She mentioned it herself. She talked about we have cult, we have a culture wars going on in America right now. No, we don't. And you actually pointed this out and you're correct. And I'll elaborate on it. It's not most of us in America that are talking about the culture wars. It's just a few of you people, mostly evangelicals and others that want to bring up Certain hot button issues, Ron DeSantis, for example, obviously this woman, Stephanie, and, and others. You want to, you want to bring it up and bring it to the forefront, like it's some major issue that America is debating and battling over, but it's not the case. It's just you people just have an axe to grind on these, on these individual issues because you, you have an ideology and you, and, and usually it's based in religion and that you want, and you want to continue to bring that forward and bring it to the forefront and, a lot of us are sitting around saying uh, it's it's not a thing. Let me be very clear. That's it. I've had a lot of imbeciles and idiots. Well, as, well look. Hold on. Br- let me, Brian, hold on. No, no, let, no, well, here's the thing. Let me finish. See, this is your problem, though, bro. Let me finish. She, this let is your finish. problem. This let, is why people don't finish. want to come on your show because you'll, you'll, let me, you'll use me, words like you're, this. You're, you're, I don't use those words. You got to let me finish. Unless I'm making a serious point. Yeah. Please let me finish. Well, I'm just making it. I just want to be clear. I've had a lot of, and I'm trying to be clear. Right, I've well, had a lot yeah. of people that I consider idiots or morons. Yeah, I, you got okay. it. Can okay. I fin- can I please finish? I've had a lot of idiots and morons that I would consider morons or idiots um, in studio before, but when they've come in studio, I've treated them with respect. We've disagreed on issues, and we've had a mutual respect on the air. Example. Joey Gilbert came on this show, and yeah, we insulted one another the first time he came on. We went back and forth, and he started to insult me. And when somebody starts to insult me when they're a guest on my show, I push back 10 times harder. However, he's been on multiple times after that, and we've had cordial conversations. We've disagreed on a lot of things. So even if somebody comes in studio that I don't like personally, even if somebody comes in studio that I think is not very intelligent or a moron, if they're willing to come on 
and have a conversation with me and debate, I'm happy to do it in a very respectful way. And I've done that before, and I will continue to do well, that. Well, uh, that goes without saying. And, and even though yeah. I don't like Stephanie, I think she is an idiot. If she decided to come in studio and debate me on issues, I would more than glad to do, to do that with her, and I would do it in a respectful way. Because I've done that with many other guests, some of whom I don't like very much, but we still do it. And I still have that conversation for a number of different reasons. Number one, I want to challenge them on some of their takes that I think are crazy. Number two, I think it's good radio. And number three, I think it's always good to hear two different perspectives, whether you agree or disagree. And I'm happy to do so, so long as it's done in a respectful way. But when somebody decides to not do my show, for whatever reason, in this case with Stephanie, it's because she doesn't want to be challenged. And then she does my show when I'm not here. You are a <sighs> coward. Now, I want to play her ad, her campaign ad, which to me speaks volumes about why I call her an idiot. And I'm going to do a stop and go here because there's going to, it's about a minute long ad or so. But we're going to play it. We're going to stop it, comment, and then keep playing on it. This is her platform. This is her ad announcing she's running for senator. My name is Stephanie Phillips, and I am running for United States Senate. Our nation is in crisis. It's time we say no to the status quo in Washington. I have called Las Vegas home for 30 years. I raised my family here and started my business 18 years ago. As a real estate broker, I have served many Nevadans, helping them achieve the American dream of home ownership. I now want to serve all of Nevada. I want to preserve the American way of life and leave a prosperous and united nation for future generations. We must protect our kids from the woke culture war. Okay, stop it right there. We must protect, That's what I'm talking about. We must protect our kids from the woke culture war. What does that mean? Yeah, she doesn't. What exactly does that mean? She doesn't talk about protecting our kids when it comes to gun violence. Uh, woke culture. So, so what she's speaking of is what many of these right wing lunatics speak of. God forbid Target sells shirts in a store that says being gay is okay or pro transgender. That's the kind of stuff that she's talking about. So she's trying to make the case where these far-right Looney Tunes make that our kids are being indoctrinated. Look at Target. Look at the wokeness when many of these people can't even define what wokeness is. And I guarantee you she's one of them. Go ahead. From the woke culture war in which we find ourselves and stop radical sex education, CRT, and gender ideology curriculum. All right, stop it again. Uh, Radical sex education. Um... Where is that happening, Chris? Am I, am, I, am I missing something? Where is this radical sex education happening? It's Are, a lot of nonsense. She's, yeah. she's speak, it's a lot of nonsense and a lot of stuff that isn't happening, that isn't real. It's a fantasy land is what it is. Yeah. She's talking about a lot of things that, yes, that are chirped on the right all the time that are not really a factor in American society whatsoever. That's the bottom you line. You know what I think is a bigger threat to kids? Radical far-right idiots like Stephanie Phillips. But anyway, go ahead. Never again can we allow our country to be shut down or our businesses to be deemed non-essential. Stop, stop it, stop it, stop it. All right, here we go, Brian. Here we go. This is another topic, okay? You And you kind of touched on it regarding COVID and comments. I'm sick and tired, Brian Shapiro and PTL out there, nation, with people who are Cracker Jackbox, public health, and doctorates, okay? I'm tired of people that think they're experts on COVID-19. They have absolutely, positively no idea what they're talking about, and they they talk like they have evidence and they have facts to back them up. That is just one more 
piece right there. That's just one more part that we are aware yeah. that, she, me, that, uh, that I agree. Uh, another individual that has no idea what they're talking Let's about. Let's be very clear on this. Stephanie, the moron Phillips, has zero There medical... was a reason why this, the state was shut down and the country yeah. was shut down. Okay. There Stephanie has zero medical experience. She is a conspiracy yes. theorist, like many of these people on the far right are. She says we shouldn't have shut uh, shut down. Uh, to idiots like Stephanie, because that's what she is, she's an idiot. I'll say it again, she's an idiot. We lost over a million people in this country with the shutdowns. To anybody with an IQ over 20 that isn't a biased right-wing buffoon will tell you we probably would have lost millions more if there weren't any shutdowns. If you didn't shut down the Las Vegas Strip and the state of Nevada when it comes to tourism and gaming during the entire COVID pandemic, which is kind of technically still going on, but not really. But the, are you really kidding me? Yeah. Are you really kidding me? What would have happened, morons out there? What would have happened if you had just left everything open? Yeah. Give me a break. It's, I mean, has COVID... Even, it's just so ridiculous. Well, I don't, I, it's, listen, I, we're, I we're, hesitate even giving we're, oxygen to it. It's very simple. Were I mean, mistakes made? Absolutely. Could we have handled this virus better, Republicans and Democrats? Absolutely. That's a very fair conversation to have. And I've criticized Governor Sislak for some of the difficult decisions he made. But with that being said, for her to run a campaign ad on children are being indoctrinated, I'm going to protect our kids, and we should have never shut down. If Stephanie Phillips had it her way because of the idiot that she is, and I ask some of these right-wing fools this question all the time, during the heart of the pandemic, ask them this question. When we were losing 4,000 to 5,000 people a day, Stephanie Phillips would have been okay with 60,000 people at Allegiant Stadium not wearing masks and not having to get the jab. She would have been okay with that. And now she wants to be a senator. She is an um, uh, the biggest moron you could find out there, and there's plenty of them. She's no better than Jim Marchant or Alex Jones or Sigal Chata. She is a complete buffoon. She has no idea what she's talking about. And you know, I like Guy Nora, right? He ran for office, and Guy Nora was sitting in that seat, and I ran his campaign ad. And in his campaign ad, he said, I'm going to end critical race theory. <laughs> and I said, and I, I looked him in the eye, and I said, That's a huge job, bro. Yeah. And I said to I said, Mr. Huge. And I said, Mr. Nora, can you name me one teacher in the Clark County School District that is teaching critical <clears throat> race theory? And he couldn't. And I said, why are you putting that in your ad? He wouldn't answer. And then when we got off the air, he looked at me and... and Numchuck was here. He heard what he said to me. He said, yeah, the guys in my campaign, they told me to put it in there. Yeah, because well, it's red of, meat for yeah, their, yeah. for a what lot of the of, dumb people yeah, yeah. that are on the right. Exactly. Yes. And that, Stephanie that, is a lot of the, a lot of the MAGA idiots out yeah, there yeah. that want, that want to slam, and, yeah. uh, you know, critical, think that critical race theory is just spread throughout every elementary, middle school and high school and in the country. And let me be very clear. Yeah. Okay. It's, I'm not going to play the rest of the ad. And the reason why I'm not going to play it is because she's asking for donations. Let me be very clear to all the PTL listeners out there. I would rather put my genitals in a grinder than, than donate to Stephanie Phillips' campaign. Okay? <laughs> now, I wouldn't want to do either. But but that's how much I cannot stand this woman. How? Yeah, I know. That's I got to be honest, though, Brian. See, the, the reason she doesn't want to come on your show, it's not because she doesn't want to debate you. It's because, because bro, it's because you drop names on people like that. That's it. You're, you're yeah. like constantly over and over. And I over drop, and names drop names on people. And people get mad. I, I drop. People I, get, dra- get I, mad because I, you're calling them idiots and morons all I the time. never use these terminologies. I'm uh, just being straight with you, bro. And that's I why. Mean, and let me respond. Yeah. I never use these <laughs> names towards her until she decided <laughs> to come on this show when I wasn't here because she is a 
yellow coward is what she is. She is a coward who is obviously not smart enough to debate somebody that will challenge her. I love Mac Miller, but Mac Miller is not going to challenge Stephanie Phillips. They are friends. He is a Republican. He shares some of her views. And while I like Mac Miller personally as a friend, he didn't challenge anything she said. Uh, when she, uh, when she went on and said, Oh, I want to protect children. I would have asked her, what's the leading cause of death in kids? I would have forced her to respond to that and ask, what is she going to do to save children's lives in schools, in malls? I would have asked her that question. When she went on and when she talked about COVID and the shutdown, I would have asked what her medical experience is. I would have asked her to name one infectious disease doctor in Clark County that agrees with her that we shouldn't have shot, uh, shut anything down. She wouldn't have been able to answer those very basic questions. She also believes that Donald Trump won the 2020 election. She is a conspiracy theorist. She yet, still believes that? Yeah. She yet still she thinks is that's, asking a, that's for, a thing? Yet she is asking for your in vote. In 2023? Yes. She is yeah. an election denier. She is a flat earther. <laughs> And she is an imbecile. I have a question for you, Brian, and I, I'll, I'll toss this off you. Why are people still talking about how can how COVID was handled and using it as part of their campaign in 2023 when the teeth of the pandemic was back in 2020 and beyond? Because they, of, why, why is it a good question? Why it's are a good question? And I'll answer this. I don't it, understand. It's a good question, and I'll give you the best answer that I can, Chris. And of course, you're speaking of people on the far right, obviously. Well, no, Demo- nobody on the left is right. talking about uh, it. Of course. So, yeah. Here's why. Because Republicans <laughs> as a whole, and I'm making a general term here, they don't have real solutions to the problems facing this country. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. They have no solutions for gun gun violence in this country. Democrats come up with, uh, if you don't agree with some of their solutions, but they come up with it all the time, uh, with coming up with attempting to come up with solutions. Republicans don't have answers to inflation. They don't have answers to the border crisis. Uh, they'll say, "Oh, build a wall." Uh, you know, they don't have answers to health care, to uh, the abortion issue. By the way, where six out of ten Americans, Republicans and Democrats, believe in a woman's right to choose, but they're on the you know many of these people on the far right don't have any answers there. They don't have, I mean, did you see Nikki Haley on CNN yesterday with Jake Tapper? It was an embarrassment. She made the claim that teenagers are committing suicide because transgenders are going into locker rooms and, and the females in there are, are seeing this and that's why they're committing suicide. She's another complete idiot, a clown who shouldn't be there. Uh, they don't have any solutions to the real problems facing this country. And when I hear Democrats today, you can disagree with some of their policies, but they want equality. They want maternity leave. They want a woman's right to choose. They want to help the poor. They want government programs to help people get jobs and to support people. They want equality. They are pro-LGBT community. They want people to be who they are, whether that's transgender, whether that's straight, whether that's gay. They want diversity. They're not afraid of it. It's why there's only a couple, what, one black senator, Tim Scott? who, by the way, made a fool of himself on The View this morning. That's another story. Uh, why are there so few minorities within the Republican Party? Well, I know the answer to that one. Democrats seem to, you can disagree with their solutions that they think will work. Where are the Republican solutions? All I hear is, let's build a wall, let's deport everybody, right? Let's continue to give tax breaks to the rich. Or Stephanie Phillips, the biggest moron of them all, who says, you know, who, let's let's talk about let's protect kids. I want to protect children. Make it sound like the left doesn't want to protect children. How am I going to protect children? No solutions. She just claims that teachers are teaching critical race theory and indoctrinating our kids. And then she says, well, we should have never shut anything down. She has no solutions in that ad. Uh, she's the worst. One more key aspect we haven't talked about, Brian, that, that was brought up in those series of clips. A lot of discussion about the United States Constitution. I would contend this, Brian. I don't know if you've read the Constitution or not. I've read it multiple times. Uh, 
look, I can't quote quote it word for word. It's not necessarily that long. Anybody can sit down for a couple hours and read the United States Constitution. I don't know if Stephanie has read the Constitution. The se- I believe it's seven articles and 27 amendments that, that are in the United States Constitution. It is a blueprint for our nation. All right. And it, it is not something that is biblical. It can be changed. We have, we have changed it before. We can change it again. It is not something that is set in stone. And I've talked about this before. Look, we understand and respect our forefathers and those who constructed the United States Constitution, those that, that, uh, you know, put a tremendous amount of work into it. And it is absolutely instrumental in how we address American society and run our country, basically. And it, it, it lines it all up. But it is something that can be changed. So please stop all of you on the right with your, the United States Constitution. I stand up for it. Again, this is the same thing I talked about when we're talking about with kids. Yeah. You, when you, when you say that, you're trying, you're making an insinuation that there are those of us that don't care about the Constitution, that don't, that don't have any regard for it. And you're flat out wrong. We absolutely do. And there's those of us that are more informed than you are, than, than a lot of you are, because you haven't read the Constitution, and you just kind of toss it out there. Yeah. And, you know, and, and well, a, a, a radio host that you and I have both interviewed, Mark Levin, right, is always, the Constitution this, the Constitution that, and act like it's something that can't be changed, and the fact of the matter is, it can. Well, Stephanie Phillips is a combination if, uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Green and Lauren Boebert got together and had a baby. I don't think two women could do that, but if they did, um, let me be very clear. She has no chance to win. She's a coward. And I would love to do a live IQ test between me and Stephanie Phillips <laughs> on the air. Can I you would, do that? Yeah, I would say the over-under for her IQ is somewhere around 25 and a half. Uh, and, uh, Another you, reason why she won't come on the show. Oh, I don't. No, Chuck, at she this won't point, come on. I don't care. He's at, flat at this, out blasting this, the, the woman. At this point, I don't care. I'll tell you who is coming on the show tomorrow. Her opponent, who I disagree with on a number of issues, but she has the guts to do it, to have a debate. Rhonda Kennedy. She's going to be joining me again in studio tomorrow. And I would vote for Rhonda Kennedy over Stephanie Phillips in a heartbeat, but even though I disagree. You wouldn't vote for either one. Uh, even Let's though be I, I'm, I'm saying if it Let's was be between, straight up. I'm saying if it was between yeah. the two of them, and the reason why right. is because at least Rhonda is willing to have a debate and is willing to stand by uh, what she believes in and, and have a discussion or a debate. Uh, Stephanie Phillips is a coward. Uh, and uh, thanks for joining the show on Friday, Stephanie. You did a wonderful job with your buffoonery. And Very detailed in uh, your policy yeah, yeah. And, and, and what yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. you would implement My whole as platform, United States Senator. Protect the kids against Top critical notch. race theory and indoctrinating our kids, and we should have never shut down uh, <laughs> anything during COVID. Very bright, Stephanie. You're, you're a very intelligent person. All right, we're going to take a quick break and uh, take a quick breather here. And when we come back, uh, speaking of intelligent people, I don't mean that facetiously. I'm, John Bolton's a pretty smart guy. Uh, he made an appearance yeah. over the weekend. Used to work in Donald Trump's administration. He made an appearance with Jim Acosta. He did not have a lot of nice things to say about Donald Trump and the Trump administration. We're going to play some of that for you when we come back. Hour number two, VGK Hockey, baby. Game two, the Stanley Cup Finals. Dan Duva, the voice of the Knights, going to be joining us. Take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey everybody, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? 
Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. It's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas's top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you, his relationships with the prosecutors and judges, and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines beware, go bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. 
They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always distracting for me to watch the YouTube page and watch my video live while I'm on the radio. I try not to do it. It's that multitasking thing that I don't uh, like it. Shap's not no, big I don't mind not multi- big on that. I don't mind yeah. multitasking. You're laser focused. I don't my like friend. the uh, I don't That's like the deal. mini delay. Yeah, I'll tell you what, who else is laser focused. <laughs> His name is Blake Gwynn with uh, Willow Maynard Group. Now there's somebody. That's a real estate agent with a brain. Let me tell you. Huge fan of Blake. Yes, yes Blake's the best. Of course, his grandfather was the former governor here. Blake's lived in this town his whole life. And uh, my parents are looking for a home out here. And the first person I thought of was Blake. And, and Blake gave my mom a call. And, and boy, I'll tell you, him and, and his people have been nothing but wonderful to my family. and trying to help them to get a place out here. I can't say enough good things about him. And uh, the Willow Maynard Group, I met some of those people. They do some great charity work as well. Please give Blake a call. 702-540-3311. Even if you're not, you're just contemplating a baby buying a home, they will give you free advice on what they think you should do. They've been doing it forever. Blake's lived here his entire life. Wonderful family. And uh, the Willow people at the Willow Manor Group are phenomenal. I'm going to give out that number again. Area code 702-540-3311. That's 702-540-3311. Please give Blake with a call, and uh, I promise you he will take care of you at the Willow Manor Group. All right, so... Getting off of the uh, Stephanie Phillips subject and moving on to more important issues, more relevant issues, uh, Mike Pence announced today, uh, officially, by the way, Chris, that uh, he's entered the race. Uh, milk toast, Mike Pence. Milk toast. Come on now. Milk toast. Yeah. That's um, so he just he just made that announcement today. Uh, watched a little bit of news over the weekend, as I know you did. And yeah. uh, John Bolton, uh, who worked in the Trump administration, made an appearance with Jim Acosta on CNN. And it's interesting because he said a lot of interesting things in this interview. I've always considered John Bolton, for the most part, to be honest uh, in his takes on certain issues. Haven't always agreed with him. And Jim Acosta asked um, John Bolton about Trump's weird relationship with Kim Jong-un. Because if you remember over the years when Trump was president, uh, he wrote, he called love letters between him and Kim Jong-un, the evil, <laughs> murderous dictator. Yeah. I mean, imagine if Joe Biden was writing love letters to Vladimir Putin. What would Republicans say about that? And by the way, a lot of Republicans these days seem to be pro-Russian, pro-Putin. Some of these Republicans want Russia to win the war. Uh, but imagine if Joe Biden bragged and gloated about writing love letters. Joe to Biden, Brian Shapiro. Evil, imagine if dictator. Barack Obama had yeah. done it. Imagine Are you that, kidding right? me? Imagine that, right, Chris? Yeah. It's a good, good point. Um, so here's what John Bolton said about Trump's bizarre relationship with Kim Jong-un. Have a listen to this. Uh, th- this is not somebody you pal around with. It just shows Trump has no real understanding uh, of the depth of the threat that uh, Kim Jong-un poses. And it's why four more years of Trump in control of foreign policy would be extraordinarily dangerous for the United States. Agree 100 percent. Agree with what he said 100 percent. 
And, and keep in mind, it was also Donald Trump that on a world stage with Vladimir Putin, two feet away from him, said he believed Vladimir Putin when he said uh, they didn't interfere in our elections over our own CIA and intelligence. Because in the biggest of situations, Trump isn't tough on Russia. He, 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 he bent. And John Bolton is he 100%. Bent. One of the one of the marquee, I don't marquee is not the right word. One of the landmark spots in Donald Trump's presidency was the disgraceful situation that took place in Helsinki, where he was on stage mm-hmm. with Vladimir Putin, right, and took Vladimir Putin's side over our own multiple intelligence agencies in the United States of America. So this isn't, yeah, it, it Donald Trump had a disgraceful situation take place. In Helsinki during his administration. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and John Bolton's been doing this for a long time. And then he went a little bit further. And this is uh, the, the, the statement that John Bolton made that kind of made national headlines. Chris, have a listen right. to this. Yeah, I'm still thinking about it. And no, I wouldn't sign that pledge. I'm not going to support Donald Trump. Uh, this is not a matter of party loyalty. I think he did enormous damage to the country and certainly to the Republican Party in, in uh, the four years he served. Uh, a second term, I think, but all of that is repairable. And I think it is being repaired. But four more years of Donald Trump could do uh, significant permanent damage to the country and the Republican Party. That's why I think uh, everybody who's in this race now should not uh, spend their time picking away at each other. They've got to convince Republican primary voters that the, the f- job won here is to prevent Trump from being renominated. Re- so I believe what John Bolton said is certainly correct, but I don't believe that's going to happen. There's too many people out there that still would rather see Donald Trump as the front runner for the Republican Party than, say, Ron DeSantis, who, again, made a fool of himself over the weekend. I don't know if you saw this clip. Ron DeSantis made a campaign stop in Iowa and he refused to talking about Disney yeah. in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Started talking about Disney. And then he refused to answer any questions from people. And then a reporter goes up to him. There's a video that went viral. I don't know if you saw this video, Chris. This reporter says, Mr. DeSantis, why are you not answering any questions? And he looks at him and, and gives a snark answer. Are you blind? Aren't, don't you see what I've been doing? And, and he's lying because he, he, Ron DeSantis wouldn't answer any policy questions. He, he would just get chummy with people that wanted to take pictures with him. DeSantis is just, he's, he's not a very likable guy. Here's the thing, Brian. Uh, there's an element to this also, and I want to make sure I want to point this out and kind of uh, see your opinion. With people like John Bolton, right, and Bill Barr, the former Attorney General, and even Michael Cohen, his former attorney, right? There's like there's an element of this here where you can see them. It, it, people are just turning on the Trump train. They mm-hmm. are getting off the Trump train, correct? And so I take it with a grain of salt a little bit with, with some of these people. And obviously, John Bolton was the national security advisor, I believe, from 2017. He was a huge part of Donald Trump's administration. Being the, he was a long time, he was a long time, I believe, uh, UN ambassador, I think he was in the United States back in the mid 2000s. The point being is that there are numerous examples, right, Brian, of individuals who were absolutely loyal to Trump. And John Bolton was one of those. John Bolton, I mean, you talked about how you think John Bolton's honest. Look, there's a lot of things he said that were ridiculous back when he was actually in the administration. And there was a lot of pandering to Donald Trump that was done by people like John Bolton and obviously Billy, Bill Barr mm-hmm. when he was the attorney general. And now they're coming out and they're just lambasting Trump, right? And and look, Kaylee McEnany, another example as well, too. I said Michael Cohen. There, there's people, so I kind of, I'm kind of hesitant to try to heap praise on these individuals. But the point you made is correct. 
there's still millions of Americans out there that are MAGA mm-hmm. that will vote for Donald Trump today absolutely sure. in five seconds. There's people out there, right, that are – and you're seeing kind of the, the, the navigation going on right now between – Candidates, whether it's Nikki Haley, whether it's Tim Scott, whether obviously Ron DeSantis and others, as far as positioning themselves in the Republican Party. But the, the, right now, where we stand today, it's 2023. He's already been indicted one time. There are millions of MAGA out there that, that are saying they're going to vote for him no matter what, even if he gets indicted again and again. If he gets indicted like two or three times for these other cases that are up right now for him, they still feel like he's their guy. And it's kind of extraordinary, and it's kind of pitiful, and it's kind of pathetic, to be quite honest with you. The position that we are in as as a, as a country right now, where you have a political party that's been hijacked by Trumpism, and you have a minority of the country. Yes, you're a minority. I'm sorry, MAGA, you're a minority, okay, of the country out there that still, no matter what he does, is going to vote for him, and and, and wants and they want him to be the nominee. The Republican nominee for president of the United States, Brian Shapiro. Speaking of, of Ron DeSantis, um, yes. you mentioned uh, we talked a little bit about the comments he made uh, about Disney in Iowa. Have a listen to this and then while we're. All of a sudden, someone else wasn't happy with it. A company in central Florida that you may have heard of called Disney. And Disney's view was that the bill should be stopped that we should have somehow that would be appropriate to have things like transgenderism taught to elementary school kids. That was their corporate position on that. And, you know, the thing about Florida is they're really the 800-pound gorilla when it comes to Florida politics. Everything they've wanted really for decades, they pretty much end up getting until now because there's a new sheriff in town. Okay, so Brian, and we're not going to back down to a woke corporation. All what is the largest employer in the state of Florida? Tell me. It is Disney. So how dumb do you have to be if you're Ron DeSantis, you're going to war with your largest employer? He is someone who is absolutely kneecapping himself already. And by the way, I brought it up about about 10 minutes ago when we kind of teased this whole thing about Ron DeSantis and about the right or whatever. Ron DeSantis in Iowa, people in Iowa don't give a damn about the Disney situation. All right. They don't care about Disney. There's no, there's no, there's no Disney World that's going up in Cedar Rapids. All right. There's not, uh, Disney has no bearing whatsoever on the voters of Iowa, but that's how disconnected Ron DeSantis is, is that he starts talking about the situation in a state that has no impact whatsoever when it comes to that corporation. And, and, and obviously some Republicans are too dumb to understand that the, uh, yeah. Florida lost out on a $1 billion deal that Real Disney, estate, yeah, right? uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that Disney was a part mm-hmm. of where it would created a ton of jobs and a big boost to the economy. And why? All Disney did is, is say they don't agree with the don't say gay bill. They, they, uh, the CEO of the company made a statement and they disagreed. And, and by the way, I agree with their stance because a lot of Republicans want to say, oh, you're mischaracterizing. That's not what it is. No, that's exactly what it is. If a third grader raises his or her hand in school and says, what does it mean that I have two dads? What does it mean that I have two moms? A teacher can't even give a generic answer and say, well, sometimes men like men, sometimes women like women. Learn the rest of your parents. A teacher can't even answer it in the most basic terms like that. That is why it is called the don't say gay bill. Mm. And if you talk to, which I do, 
people in my life that are gay, and I have these conversations with them, many of them tell me they knew they were gay when they were five or six years old, and there's nothing wrong with that. Five or six years, am I saying that when you're six years old, you should be learning explicitly what, how gay people have, of course not, how gay people have sex or anything explicit? No, of course not. And 99.9% of teachers are not doing that, by the way. Are there a few cases where it might be happening? I guess. And if that's happening, they should be fired. But a teacher should be able to have the right to say, there's nothing wrong with being gay. Sometimes men are attracted to men. Sometimes women are attracted to women. And guess what, kids? There's nothing wrong with that. And according to Ron DeSantis and his don't say gay bill, if a teacher just made a generic statement like that, not only would that teacher immediately be fired, but a lawsuit could entail. And that is wrong. And Disney stepped up and said, you know what? We don't agree with this bill. This is wrong. So what did Ron DeSantis do? What any wonderful dictator would do, decided to tax the company. And there are a lot of Republicans out there. Some have spoke publicly about this. Not all, but some have said that this is wrong, that we can't go after companies because they disagree with a policy. Ron DeSantis is a dictator. That's what he is. And he proved it with this Disney situation. And by the way, the fact that he continues to talk about it, when even among the Republican Party disagree with him on his actions here, is mesmerizing to me. What kind of campaign is he running? The last thing he should be bringing up is Disney. So, Brian, we talk about platforms, right, of political candidates. When you think about Ron DeSantis, what is his platform? His platform is this. I'm running against all things woke. I'm running to destroy the left in this country that's his entire platform nothing to do with the economy nothing to do with making florida and america a better place just all these grievances and culture wars that he wants to bring to the forefront that's his entire platform and unfortunately for him it's not going to work He's not going to he's going to get lost in the quagmire that is you know the the four five six seven eight Republican candidates that are going to be running for president. Uh, this isn't Chris Wynn just making a prediction. I just, this is, but this is basically my opinion. I yeah. think he's going to end up getting caught and we up. Have a, he's going to get caught up in, in the mix with all those others and, and lost in the shuffle. And a comment on, and a comment on social media, somebody named Irish Max, who, uh, I agree with made an interesting point said, quote, I guess he's okay with collapsing buildings and Floridians not being able to get any private flood insurance. You're absolutely right. You won't hear him talk about those issues. You won't hear him talk about the real issues facing Floridians, but he wants to talk about wokeness. When, when, when Ron DeSantis was asked on national television, Trey Gowdy on Fox noise asked him, you know, what will you do if you're the president when it comes to this war in the Ukraine? What would you do? If you're the president on day one, the first thing that came out of his mouth was gender identity and climate change because he is a buffoon and he has no answers. And while he kind of said, yeah, I, I want the war to end, his answer was talking about gender identity. That is the response to many of these Republicans when talking about the real issues facing this country. They bring up gender identity and transgenders and indoctrination and critical race theory because they're all morons and they don't have any answers or solutions to the real problems facing this country. Brian, he was bringing up DEI in the military. Those of you that don't know what DEI is, is diversity, equity and and inclusion. It's kind of a premise that's it's 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 in the Department of Defense. It's in a lot of companies. A lot of companies have that phrase and then they they adopt right what it means. Basically, it's about inclusion, right? It's about it's about 
using diversity, thinking it's a benefit for your company or for the Correct. Department of Defense, whatever. Correct. And he talks about it like it's a negative thing. When, as far as what you said, right? When he when he talked about when he was asked a question essentially about a war, right, and about our military and what we should do. Your answer is talking about gender identity and and how the military is messed up now because it doesn't go along with your ideology, how the military operates, essentially. Give me a break, man. Like you don't you are so clueless to what the reality of the situation is. And uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for him, and it's going to be unfortunate for his political career. If Stephanie Phillips had a penis, she would be Ron DeSantis. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight. Man, I am jacked up for this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dan Dube, is going to be joining us in hour number two. Chris, I want to give you some of my um, takes on Game 1. I have plenty of them, and I want to hear your takes oh, yeah. as well. And uh, we're going to get ready and get you geared up, man. I, this is exciting. Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight in four hours. Yeah. Uh, Dan Dube is going to be joining us. And, of course, later on in the hour, we're also going to uh, get your take, my take, on uh, the NBA Finals and, and what was a very entertaining Game 2 to watch and a big win for the Miami Heat uh, and why... I love Coach Malone because, man, he holds his players accountable in that press conference. So we'll talk about that. Take a quick break. Be back right after this. A little VGK hockey talk coming up next. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. If you can't catch the game today live, you can. What always, are you doing? If you're not, if you can, well, if you can't be Come in the arena, now. then check it out at Jackson's Bar and Grill tonight. They got the pass the puck contest. You can't find a better place to watch a night's game, really. Uh, they got some great promotions this month, including you earn fifteen hundred points on Friday, you get a hundred dollars in free slot play loaded onto your card the next day. Also. It was such a smash hit in May. On Wednesdays, you know, you earn 200 points, you get to spin the wheel with a chance to win up to 3,000, and then 300 points, you spin it again. You have four chances to spin the wheel now on Wednesdays because it was such a smash hit there. So uh, you don't always have to hit a four of a kind and hit the card of the day to spin that wheel. If you earn points, you're going to have multiple chances to spin that wheel. So it's a lot of fun. Please check them out. Great food, great atmosphere. Jackson's Bar and Grill, my favorite gaming bar in Las Vegas. Vegas Golden Knights. Game two tonight in Las Vegas starts at 5 p.m. The voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Dan Duva, is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. My takeaways from game one. First of all, first 10 minutes of the game, it's one thing the Florida has been able to do. It, it, it's frustrate teams. They did it with Boston. They certainly did it with the Hurricanes. They're very physical, and I'll even go as far as to say they play a little dirty in front of the net. A lot of skirmishes in front of the net. What I loved early on in the game is I, I even though the Vegas Golden Knights were down a goal early, I feel like they set the tone physical. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. Aiden Hill. Okay. Aiden Hill got pushed and shoved around. Maybe some goaltenders would have just skated away from that. He didn't. He threw a few punches. He got the crowd going. The Vegas Golden Knights stood their ground and they said, if you want to play this game, we're not going to let you do it. We're going to stand up. And, and that's the feeling I got the first 10 minutes of the game. The Vegas Golden Knights says, we're not going to put up with this. We're not the Boston Bruins. We're not the Carolina Hurricanes. If you want to win, if you want to play this style of hockey, we can do it with you and we're going to beat you and we're not going to lose our cool. The first 10 minutes of the game, that's kind of in the whole game. That's the sense that I got. They didn't lose their cool. 
they stood their ground and they said, if you want to play dirty, we can play dirty too. And we're not going to lose our cool. And it was the Florida Panthers that took more penalties in the third period. They just, they just exploded in the fourth period in a bad way. And the Knights kept their cool. That was, to me, that was the big storyline. And something else that I'm, I'd be very concerned about if, I was, if I'm a Florida Panthers fan is the two goals that Florida did score were very lucky goals. The first goal, the wraparound, it was a nice play. Aiden Hill should have made that save. He even said it. He wants that one back. But it was a broken stick that caused that breakaway to happen. The Knights were unlucky. And then the second goal, the, the goal off the faceoff, was another unlucky goal where it went off a Knights defender's skate. Very difficult for Aiden Hill to make that save. Those were two lucky goals. And when I look at the the five goals that the Knights scored, they were skillful goals, right? I look at the Martinez goal. I look at the um, Mark Stone goal. There's only a handful of players in the world that could have done what Mark Stone did on that play. People don't understand the eye-hand coordination that's needed to stop the puck in midair without getting called for a high stick, by the way. Having the wherewithal as soon as the puck drops within a half a second to not only shoot the puck, but to shoot it in an area where it's almost impossible to make the stay top shelf right in the corner. It was a beautiful goal. And it's one of, I would argue probably Mark Stone's most important goal of his career thus far. And he might have more in this series, but that was the go ahead goal really where it put him up four two. Um, Aiden Hill was very good. He made a couple mistakes. He kept his cool. He kept them in the game. Um, And I mentioned the physical play. The Florida Panthers have been able to get away with some things and frustrate teams and teams taking penalties, getting frustrated. There's a lot of pushing and shoving. I would say the Florida Panthers push and shove more in front of the net than maybe any other team in the league with the exception of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, This team is very physical and they frustrate you. The Knights weren't having it. They weren't having it. And that is a Cassidy-type team where they just keep their cool. They didn't take any stupid penalties. Uh, they had to kill off a few. And I thought the Stars played like Stars, right? Marcheseau, Carlson, Stone, Eichel. You know, what I love about Eichel is he's not known as a fighter, right? But he was willing to get in it. The Knights were willing to get in it. And that's what I saw from this game from the get-go is the Knights, you know, said said to, to the world, really, that if you want to play dirty and you want to try to be physical with us and frustrate us, it ain't going to work. We will give it right back to you and we will beat you. And that's what the Knights did in game one. Now, listen, all bets are off here. If the Knights don't win tonight, then Florida's going back home and they're feeling really good about themselves. And now they have home ice advantage. So tonight is an enormous game, right? But on the coin flip, if the Knights win tonight, and I believe they will, and they go up 2-0, all the pressure's on Florida. Because if you're the Knights, you're thinking to yourself, okay, really, all we got to do is get one in Florida, and then we go back home and we could, we could finish this thing. So this is an enormous game, uh, w- as well as the Knights played in the third period. And it was a pretty evenly played game until the third period. You got to take care of business tonight. I also go back, Chris, to year one, the Stanley Cup Finals, where they were up against Washington 1-0. This is a different team. And this Florida team's not as good as that Washington team back six years ago. I believe the Knights have more depth. I believe they're the better hockey team, but the better hockey team doesn't always win. So they got to take care of business tonight. But what I saw from game one was very telling. Florida's not going to be able to do against the Vegas Golden Knights what they were able to do against teams like Boston and Hurricanes to be able to push them around, to frustrate them in front of the net, 
Uh, the Knights weren't having it in game one, and I was really impressed with how they were able to withstand the physicality of Florida. And I don't see that changing tonight. You have to love the intestinal fortitude of the Vegas Golden Knights coming back from that 1-0 deficit in game one. I would disagree with you as far as you, you saying that uh, it was a lucky goal. The first goal was was basically Aiden Hill got out of position, slid too far to the right. And the the player was able to to score the wraparound right, goal. But a broken a stick. Big key. No, but no, but no. But Brian, Brian, just hear me out. It was he was out of position. Aiden Hill got pulled out of position basically, and that's why the guy was able to wrap around. I get you, that. You guys both, you and I both have played the game. We understand. I get the that. dynamic. All I'm of that. saying well, is okay, the odd man rush okay, so, was okay. So, but I'm all I'm saying is, I, I disagree with you. This wasn't a lucky goal. I understand. Okay, it wasn't I understand lucky. what you're saying. Right, I, so, don't, I don't disagree okay. with you, Adam. A- right. Aiden Hill should have should have made the stop. I agree with you. Okay, the, Chris. But just to emphasize, the only reason why I said it was a little unlucky is because the odd man rush started because of a. No, broken you didn't say it was unlucky. You said it was a lucky goal. He scored a lucky goal. Well, a lucky odd man rush. out of position, and then he scores. The goal doesn't happen. If, if a bro- if broken stick doesn't happen okay, on the okay, play, that's, that's fine. All. all right. So uh, anyway, so the Vegas Golden Knights obviously it, it, it was a very evenly played game for the first two periods of the game. Obviously, it was a two-two game back and forth, each team getting a lead essentially. Uh, a big key to this game and a big key to this series is going to be Vegas being able to hold down their their top players. We're talking about Matthew Kachuk. We're talking about Sam Bennett. We're talking about Nick Cousins. Very mm-hmm. explosive guys. Guys who have been in, huge for them throughout the entire playoffs. Knocking off the Boston Bruins. Knocking off the Toronto Maple Leafs upstarts. Right? And for the first time, I believe, in the entire playoff run, all three of those players didn't have a point with five-on-five situations in the game. So that's going to be a huge thing for the Vegas Golden Knights moving forward is defensively, the blue liners. Can they can they come up big? And I'm talking about, obviously, Alex Petrangelo. I'm talking about Zach Whitecloud, who also scored a goal, by the way. I'm talking about, you know, uh, Shea Theodore, who's been, who was, who played big in game one sure. and was outstanding. So th- those are very important. Also, it's very important. Yes, we can talk about Mark Stone, who is a catalyst, right? He's the captain of the team. We could talk about Jack Eichel, who has played like a star here in the playoffs in 2023 and is going to be, uh, if they're going to win a Stanley Cup, they're going to have to come up big. But you know what else is coming up big? The misfits, the guys that were there mm-hmm. for game one, for, for year one, the guys that played the, the Washington Capitals and, and had, had to deal with that loss in the Stanley Cup final. Obviously, I'm talking about the likes of Carlson and Riley Smith and Marcia Stone, Carrier and Braden McNabb, those guys. And those guys were huge in game one. That all, those guys accounted for three uh, of the, uh, of the five goals in game one and four of the six goals in, in the final game against the Dallas Stars in the Western Conference Finals. So, it is really cool to see the misfits coming in to the uh, and being so uh, important when it comes to the Vegas Golden Knights in this series, and and they're going to have to continue to be if Vegas is going to is going to end up winning this series. Yeah, no question. Um, this is, to me, usually the team that wins Game Two, not all the time, but usually the team that wins Game Two in a series more than likely wins wins the series. This is a big game. Um, you think that's true, though? Absolutely. I don't know that, no, in the series, you think that's true? Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know, man. Because no, because we're talking about the Florida Panthers winning Game Two. Then you're saying it's a, a be, it's a best of five. It's a best of five series if we if they win Game Two, and you st- you think the Florida Panthers should be favored to win the series, or you think that they're they're gonna they're gonna have any they're gonna have some type of advantage against the Vegas Golden Knights if it's one one. So here's what I will tell you. If the Florida Panthers win today, they will, gambling-wise, be favored to win the series. They will be the favorite because they will have home ice advantage. They will be the favorite. I guarantee you that. That's not up for debate. If the Vegas Golden Knights win today, they're going to be an oh, 
overwhelming favorite. They're about minus 250 right now. They'll be minus 400 um, if they win tonight. But if Well, yeah, they'll, they'll be up 2-0 so, in so the yes, series, too. If so the series is tied 1-1, Florida's going to be the favorite to win the series. So I figured what better person, right, what better person to have on the line mm-hmm. uh, to kind of break down game two and what happened in game one than, than somebody who I certainly uh, am a fan of. Great play-by-play man. He's the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, does a wonderful job for the Knights, and uh, we appreciate him taking the time to join us on what is it going to be a very busy hockey day game two of the Stanley Cup Finals. Of course, I'm talking about uh, Dan Duva, nice enough to join us right now. Dan, I appreciate the time as always, my friend. How are you? I'm well, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm sure you are as well. Game two tonight, huge game, Dan. You know, we've been talking about game one a little bit, as I know you have the last uh, 48 hours or so. I felt like Florida tried to frustrate the Knights like they did with Carolina and Boston. The physicality, some would say maybe a few dirty plays here and there. And the Knights kept their head. They said, basically, if you want to play this style of hockey, we can do this with you, and we're going to beat you at your own game. I I feel like that was the big storyline in Game 1. What was your big storyline in Game 1? Yeah, I think that's uh, an important place to begin, because if you watch the game, and I'd imagine many of our listeners did watch it, that is what was noticeable. Different from the Dallas series, there was not much extracurricular activity against the Stars, a little bit against the Oilers. It was a more physical series, and more most of it, most of it, not all of it, was between the whistles. Now, the Florida Panthers are stirring things up after the whistles. And then the question is, do the Knights respond the way that the coaches would like them to respond and really not get into it? And uh, I, I'll, I'll go back to what William Carrier said to us on the pregame show going in. turned out to be rather prophetic. I asked him quite simply, what is the personality of this year's Golden Knights? And he said, and I quote, it's a real mature team. We know exactly how we want to play to win. When there's a storm or stuff happens, guys are bouncing back the right way. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm not sure if he envisioned exactly what the mm-hmm. Panthers were going to try to do, but that maturity, um, and uh, his teammates and coaches agreed with that sentiment, allow the Knights to weather that storm, as Will said, and uh, rise above it. And uh, they have been patient, they have been mature, and it was a simply a matter of the Panthers trying to get under the Knights' skin, and they failed. I agree 100%. Uh, let's rewind six years, if I may. Uh, Knights were in a similar situation. I understand totally different team, different circumstance, but the Knights were up 1-0 against the Washington Capitals. Now, I, I believe the Capitals were, are, were a better team than, than, than the Florida Panthers are. Nothing to take away from Florida. But do you feel like members of the Misfits, you know, they have that experience. They won't be complicit tonight. They understand the importance of this game when, and what a huge difference it is, right, right, Dan? Because if Florida wins tonight, they go back to Florida feeling really good about themselves. Hey, we did what we wanted to do. We got one in, in Vegas. But on the other side, the flip coin, if the Knights are able to win today, then all the pressure is on Florida. And then the Knights are saying to themselves, gosh, if we could just get one in Florida, we could really put the clamps on this series. I mean, this is an enormous game tonight. Yeah, sure is. And the Panthers have been so good on the road. They had only lost one road game the entire postseason until they saw the Knights. So now they're 8-2 and two on the road. At home, they're 4-3. and three. That's what happens when you're the lowest seed in the conference. You play a lot of road games over the course of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And here they are. Uh, when you think about the, the way that the Panthers come into the series, sure, they had swept Carolina in the previous round and having won 8 of 9 games, 10 out of 11. You go back to the first round and how they responded when they had their backs against the wall against Boston. Um, but they had you know, 10 days uh, break between the end of the third round and the start of the fourth round. Bruce Cassidy 
had that similar experience with the Bruins against the St. Louis Blues in 2019. And, um, you know, it started well for the Bruins, actually, but then obviously it, it, it didn't keep up. In other words, um, you know, does, uh, does Florida bounce back today because they had um, all that time off and they were, you know, they tried to manufacture something and it didn't click for them? Maybe they are back in their, you know, they're a very good team. Uh, maybe we see more hockey today. <laughs> and maybe it's yeah. good hockey from the Florida Panthers. And and I also will include Sergei Bobrovsky in that equation because he got a hot goalie. The last thing a hot goalie wants to do is have a 10-day break. A couple days might be all right, but 10 days is yeah. a long time for the hottest goalie in the sport. And he was human. He gave up four goals. The last one for Vegas was an empty netter. The Knights got a couple of goals with traffic. Um, the Knights also saw some things on uh, entries that allowed Vegas to get a couple of players open, um, including Mar- uh, Stevenson and Marcheseau for that first goal, et cetera, et cetera. So does Bobrovsky snap back into the, the kind of goal he was in the previous couple of rounds, or is it more of what we saw in game one? Now, the Knights can score goals in a bunch of different ways, and the, they score five goals. I mean, when they score three or more, they win. The last time they scored three goals and lost a playoff game was game seven, 2019, against the Sharks. Mm. Doesn't mean it's automatic, but you know this team scores goals in a way that previous Golden Knights teams have failed to do in the playoffs. Against Montreal in that third round, the offense dried up. In the third round against Dallas in the bubble the year before, the offense dried up. Those were close games, but they just couldn't get that extra goal. Now, Jack Eichel hasn't scored a goal since the second round, but he is driving this team's offense. He is skating as well as I've ever seen him. He had two assists in game one. Mm-hmm. Leads the team with 20 points. So if someone says, oh, Jack's, you know, he's only got six goals or so. I mean, first of all, six is plenty. Uh, second of all, he is driving this team's offense. There is no doubt that Jack is driving the Golden Knights offense, even if the, all the numbers aren't there. Still leads the team in scoring. Only six goals. Marcia So and Carlson have 10 each. But it, it has been so impressive to see Jack uh, rise to this moment in his first Stanley Cup postseason. You talked about it, Dan, as far as scoring many different ways and coming from many different positions. Obviously, we expect it from the guys up front. I got to talk to you, though, about uh, the guys on the blue line, right? Obviously, we look at Alex Petrangelo, a veteran, a guy who's won a Stanley Cup. We talk about the likes of uh, Zach Whitecloud, who's coming into his own, really, as an NHL defenseman. But also talk about Shea Theodore. Obviously, Shea Theodore scoring his first goal of the postseason in Game 1. And I wanted to get your perspective and your thoughts regarding Bruce Cassidy, and he talked about number 27 as far as his impact and what this could mean for him moving forward as we uh, get into Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, Shea had a bit of an up-and-down stretch here, uh, not having scored a goal in, until game one. Uh, picked a great time to do it, and his second multi-point game of the playoffs. Last time Shea had scored a goal was against the Florida Panthers, all the way back on March 7th. Now, he did miss time in between with injury, so slightly misleading, but you get the idea. And, um, you know, I asked Braden McNabb about Shea. Uh, during the game. So at, at that point, I think when we talked to Brayton, he had an assist but had not yet scored the goal. Uh, Brayton talked about it when I simply asked, what do you see from Shea? The first thing out of Brayton's mouth was his legs. When he has his legs going in a certain way, everything else seems to fall into place. So he escapes Declare after Declare blocks a shot. Shea gets the puck, spins away, gets to the slot. And then, as I say, everything falls into place and he precisely places the shot with a little bit of a screen in front of Bobrovsky to get that goal. Um, but then there's, you know, that's on the highlight reel. The stuff that's not on a highlight reel would be the puck recoveries. 
Uh, the Golden Knights are big as a unit, uh, but they are also quick. And it doesn't mean that they all have to be fast, but they are quick in recovering the pucks in their own zone and starting it out, getting it into the hands of a teammate to break out. Uh, that prevents Florida from getting its feisty forecheck going, and the Knights are as good, and, and this year's Knights even compared to previous years, uh, as good as we have ever seen at getting a puck in its own zone, uh, and, and uh, you know, also preventing the opponent from getting the puck deep. That's part of it, too. But when the puck does get deep, they are so good, all of them. You know, not just the top pair or the top four. All six of them seem to be just as good. They And they do it in different ways because Shea is the best skater. Um, Martinez is the most staunch. Hague is the tallest. You know, White Cloud uh, has great vision. You, know, you go down the list, and Petrangelo is the best all around. Um, and McNabb can take a hit and make a pass, and he can also give a hit. Uh, like they all have different elements. There's youth, there's veteran experience, uh, but there are a lot of little things that they do. We, we've talked all about the block shots. Martinez is the best in the league, and on and on and on. But it's some of those little things where there isn't a statistic to really capture it. Where they are so good. If you're just joining us, he is the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. Great play-by-play man, Dan Duva. Nice enough to join us. Dan, I have to ask you this from a broadcaster's perspective. Is it hard for you to not get ahead of yourself in dreaming of the final call with five seconds left to go in a game and being able to announce the Vegas Golden Knights are the Stanley Cup champions and they play your, you know, your little bit on Sports Center? Because I would imagine for me as a broadcaster, if I'm play-by-play, I would be thinking about that. And I know that's we're getting ahead of ourselves, but do you do you ever? Think ESPN of, loves them some Dan Duva, oh my yeah. friends. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you think about that 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 moment that could happen in a few weeks? Yeah, well, it, there's there's two ways to think about it. Number one, I've been thinking about it since I was probably 10 years old when I heard Mike Emmerich say, the championship to New Jersey, the Devils win the Stanley Cup. So in one sense, yeah, you know, uh, I remember the year before that, 94, when Sam Rosen said, you know, the, the, this one will last a lifetime when the Rangers won it. And I was crushed as a young Devils fan. <laughs> and then my childhood redeemed when Doc Emmerich announced the win for the Devils in 95. So, yeah, like that, you know, anybody who plays the sport, follows the sport, works in the sport, you dream of things like that because those dreams began when you were a kid and you didn't understand how it all actually works. Um, You know, but then as a professional, it is not so much a matter of scripting anything. I don't script calls, but I do like to prepare myself um, so that you have thoughts about um, themes or how you want to, to capture a moment, but that's the same for any game. It doesn't happen to make a difference that it's the Stanley Cup final. It'll get played a lot more, but, um, you know, I, I approach every broadcast the same way, whether it's a preseason game in October or a Stanley Cup final game in June. Uh, to me, it, it is a responsibility for us as the broadcast, me and Gary Lawless in particular, because we worked together for now six years, um, that we provide the listener an experience that is uh, second to none. And uh, that is the same for every game that we broadcast. If more people are tuned in, that's great, but it doesn't change uh, how we do what we do. Dan, it wouldn't be the Vegas Golden Knights talk if in the regular season or the postseason if we didn't bring up the goaltending situation. Yourself and Brian kind of touched a little bit on Bobrovsky, but I got to talk a little bit about Aiden Hill. Obviously, he was not supposed to be the guy that was going to be here, right? It was supposed to be Laurie Prosois. <laughs> no. He was going to be the goaltender, and obviously Aiden gets pressed into service in the Edmonton series and beyond, and he's played stellar throughout the, most of this playoffs. What does this mean for Aiden Hill as far as his perception as a goaltender 
you know, look, obviously we're early on in the series. It's just one game in. But if the Vegas Golden Knights were able to win a Stanley Cup or and he's able to perform well, what do you think this means for Aiden as far as how he is perceived as an NHL goaltender? Yeah, it's his third organization in three years. Had come up with Arizona, but, um, you know, clearly didn't didn't stick there. Then a season with San Jose, and you figured he and Reimer would kind of go back and forth, but then Aiden was injured middle of the season and you know, never did get healthy, and then gets traded to the Golden Knights for a fourth-round pick at the end of August mm-hmm. because the Knights realized that Lauren Brossois is not going to be ready after a surgery earlier in the spring. So um, Hill's kind of an insurance policy until Brossois is ready. He had no idea if Logan Thompson would be able to continue what he had done in a lim- limited sample size uh, the previous year. It turned out that <laughs> both were really good. And Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill, Logan kind of took the reins. Um, he was probably playing a little bit better uh, than Aiden was. But at the same time, uh, Aiden was reliable. And the more that he and Logan worked with new goalie coach Sean Burke, and Aiden and Sean did have a pre-existing relationship, the better they got. And then when injuries occurred to both Thompson and eventually Hill, Brossois then was ready. He had worked his way up in the American League. And then he was great when he got a crack. And then he gets hurt. And then Hill comes back. And then, you know, Quick gets acquired. And then Yuri Patera's got to play a couple of games. So the, the two commonalities in all that would be the – uh, the great work that Sean Burke has done, not only with his X's and O's, but also just the, his demeanor. Uh, I think that he's allowed each goalie to make himself the best version of himself. And then, you know, Jonathan Quick adds a great deal of that veteran experience, too. Aiden has uh, remarked on how helpful Quick has been. And then, you know, Quick has also said, I, I, I know when I also should stay away when, it, when it's yeah, going well. Sure. No doubt there was some conversation in there. So, uh, what this can mean for Hill, uh, probably a, a nice contract for wherever he goes yeah. next, and it very well could be with the Golden Knights. It's a problem that, uh, you know, you, you can't have imagined, you know, this time last year, but it is a good problem to have if you're the Golden Knights. And isn't it interesting, Dan, uh, you bring up Sean Burke, uh, the coach of the Florida Panthers, uh, once was the head coach of the Hartford Whalers when Sean Burke was our Dan, you, Dan, you knew this was coming, right? The Hartford yes. Whaler guy yes. here in studio. I had to, I had to, I, I had to bring that yeah. up. I mean, I mean, we we can just praise Sean, Sean Burke at the at the job he's done. But since yeah. I bring up the other side, if you're a Cassidy today, what adjustments do you expect from the other side from the Florida Panthers? What adjustments, Dan, do you think Florida makes tonight? Yeah, I, I, I'm. That's a good question. I think that when you attempted to um, do so much after the whistle um, and it doesn't work, how much of that do you do you try to do again? You know, Paul Maurice is such a great motivator. I'd imagine that that was uh, his attempt to try to encourage that a way to get the Panthers out of their ten day break and and right into the fire and it happened to not pay off but they're still a great team even if they weren't to do all of that um you know it, and it, it to a degree you know it, it, they were in the game through two periods of course um the stuff that happened at the end with four and a half minutes to go where there were a couple of misconducts maybe at that point matthew kachuk is trying to send a message but it was only a two-goal game I, I was a little bit surprised that they went as far as they did you know after the whistle they were about to kill off a penalty and then, um, you know, there's misconducts and they're shorthanded for basically the rest of the game and took away any chance the Panthers had at a comeback. 
And I think that that's where Paul Maurice will have to say, hey, guys, you know, it's great to get under the skin. We can do that. That's how we've had success. But they're responding differently than Carolina did. You can't assume that we're going to goat them into this. Right. And then we've got to be smarter about when we do it. So it might be a little bit more tame. And then we'll see how the officials handle it. Steve Kazari and Chris Rooney are the referees for today's game. And, you know, it, it, you know it's those referees watch the game, right? They know exactly what the Panthers try to do. There's a, you know, series supervisor. There's going to be all those discussions. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers um, are more judicious in how they uh, do what they do after yeah. the whistle. And because yeah. they're, a good te- they're a really good team. Yeah, no, they are. No question. And I think it's going to be a dogfight tonight. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Dan, you're, you're always my favorite play-by-play man. Next to Chuck Keaton, he was the longtime Hartford Whaler oh, yeah. uh, radio <laughs> broadcaster. Dan is so good at what he does. And, and I, you know how much I appreciate you taking the time, especially on a day like today, to come on and preview the game. Dan, always have those earbuds in, listening to Dan's call of the game. And, and t- tonight will be no different when I'm in uh, T-Mobile Arena. Uh, Dan, thanks for the time, my friend. Hopefully we can catch up with you ne- next week and uh, look forward to the game, my friend. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy it tonight. Thanks, Dan. You as well. That's Dan Duva, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, who uh, really is, is is a phenomenal play-by-play guy for hockey, which is a very difficult sport. Former Syracuse crunch man. He, he, yes. he used to do uh-huh. Sy- AHL Syracuse games. Listen, man. There are, and I believe he's a Syracuse grad as well, too. There, Syracuse there, one of one of the fine institutions yep. in our business, Brian Shapiro. Um, there, there are, yes, yes. There are some people that are not good at their jobs. Dan happens to be very good at what he does. Excellent. There are some yes. people that do play-by-play. Uh, that are not very good. Dan is not one of those people. He no. is a, a seasoned pro. He's really good. I'm glad the Vegas Golden Knights got this guy because he's uh, he knows his hockey, but even uh, just as important, if not more important. Uh, when I'm listening in my car to his call, I, I see exactly what's going on, and that's what you want from a play-by-play guy. You know, he just he just hockey's tough, man. I mean, how often, unless Jack Eichel has the puck, right? How often does somebody have the puck on their stick? Not very long. And uh, it's it's very difficult sport to do play-by-play. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one very, of the hardest sports to do yeah, play-by-play. Very, very difficult. Di- yeah. Very difficult. And Dan's really good at it. We appreciate his time. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, boy do, I, boy, do I have a lot to talk about. Scared me there with the music there, Dumbchuck. It's NBA final time, <laughs> yeah, too, yeah, my friend. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not that yes. pumped. I'm, I'm pumped up, but I'm not that pumped. I was Our getting ready for something. All right. Fair enough. Uh I have a lot to talk about with the game last night. There's a lot of storylines to talk about, and the Miami Heat have made this a series. And uh, Shappy had a little bit on uh, Miami Moneyline yesterday, and uh, I just had a feeling, had a feeling that Miami was going to make it a game. We're going to talk about that with C-Win in studio and uh, what to expect from Game 3 and why I think the Denver Nuggets are going to dominate Game 3. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this with C-Win. I'm Brian Shapiro. It's Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that 
requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines beware. Go bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client, so please give them a call, 702-248-0554. Welcome back. Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Programming note, my permanent co-host, Guy David, first day is tomorrow on the job. The Aussie assassin, baby. Yeah, so I'm really excited about people like, where's Guy David? Well, he's been in Mexico on vacation and starting work tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. People wondering what Jamie D's up to. His new show starts tomorrow here at KSHP. And uh, looking forward to also having Rhonda Kennedy in studio tomorrow. So, you know, uh, fireworks are going to be sparking in studio tomorrow. It's going to be fun. That should be a juicy conversation, to say the least. What, yes. a, what a good first day for Guy David to be in studio. He's like, <laughs> what did I get myself into? But anyway, Chris Wynn joining me in studio, as he does every Monday. And that's not going to change. A lot to get to when it comes to the uh, NBA Finals. Let me start here. I thought Spolstra putting Kevin Love in the starting lineup was a huge plus. Now, you look at Kevin Love's stat line, Kevin Love, he didn't have a huge game, 
but just his presence out there, a veteran, a big body, a guy who can shoot from the outside. He forces you to come out and play defense. I just thought that his presence out there to start the game gave them that kick that they needed. And Miami got off to a great start. Uh, and a part of that, uh, even though I'm not a big Struess fan, he hit some threes in the first quarter and, and, and gave them confidence early. I thought that was big. Vincent had a great game. He had 23 points. Adebayo has been phenomenal. I mean, this guy has been really, really good. What a tough job trying to guard who I think is the, is the most valuable player in the league in, 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 in the Joker. And Adebayo had a really good game also. He hit some timely shots. So there's a lot of storylines here. But I think if you asked me the main reason why Miami won this game, yeah, you can talk about all of those things that I mentioned, but I think the main storyline is the physicality. Miami was more physical. They, they, they were outmatched in game one from the physicality standpoint. Miami, kind of like the Knights in that aspect, the physical portion of the game, uh, Miami was very good defensively. They were physical. They were strong. They did a good job on the glass. And there was a stretch in the fourth quarter, I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, maybe seven or eight minutes where uh, the Denver Nuggets on their home floor in the fourth quarter only had one field goal. So is that a part of effort? Uh, we'll get to that. But Miami defensively, they were really, really good. I felt like they even got better as the game went on. They were more comfortable out there at the altitude. They've been there for a week. I think that was also a big part of it. Butler was Butler. He hit some shots, but he didn't have a great game. You got contributions from guys off the bench. And I thought a big, um, at least in my opinion, a big contribution in the fourth quarter was Robinson. So Robinson scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. He came in there and he hit huge shots. And what I loved about what he did was, yeah, he hit some shots, but he also took the ball to the basket and was aggressive. And I thought, you know, again, great contribution from Robinson. He really uh, gave them that extra, you know, pep. And they did what they needed to do to win. And they had a huge win. Huge win. Going back to Miami, tied 1-1. They got to be feeling really good about themselves. Now, on the other side of things, Chris, I like Coach Malone. I think he's a really good coach. And he's honest. Like Cassidy, he holds players accountable. And in the press conference, he was pissed. And he talked about effort. And he said, we're in the NBA Finals. And I'm paraphrasing here. We're in the NBA Finals. We shouldn't be talking about effort. I'm very mm -hmm. concerned. He basically said, his players didn't play hard enough to win a basketball game. And Miami outplayed them. I love the fact that Malone did that. He said, he said the same thing in the locker room after the game. And he's holding these players accountable. And I love that about Coach Malone. There's a lot of NBA coaches that are afraid to do that. There are several coaches in the league that aren't. And Malone got there, and he faced the, the music. He got in front of the microphone. He said, we didn't deserve doing We didn't play hard enough. This is concerning. This is the NBA Finals. Effort. We shouldn't be talking about effort in the NBA Finals. A lot of NBA coaches are afraid to hold players accountable. Mike Malone is not one of those guys, and I, and I have so much respect for him for that. He's a phenomenal coach. And that's why I think that they're going to bounce back in game three. But I give Miami all the credit in the world. Spolster made some adjustments. Uh, they, they contained, uh, the Joker certainly in the fourth quarter, even though he had another monster game. He's the best basketball player in the world, as far as I'm concerned. But Miami is a feisty group. And these guys know what it takes to win a championship. Many of them, uh, have been in the, in the weeds before. They know it. And this is new territory for Denver. People forget about that. They've never been in this situation before. 
So game three is going to be entertaining. I really liked the way Miami uh, played. And um, those are my big takeaways from the game last night, Chris. What are yours? Yeah, so it was a tad surprising, to say the least, that you saw the Denver Nuggets up by eight going into the fourth quarter. You'd think, okay, they're going to handle their business just like they handled their business the entire playoffs. And they might even pull away and have a convincing game one win. And when I talk about surprising, obviously, we saw what actually transpired, right? They're, uh, this is a Miami Heat team that was down by as many as 15 points throughout the game. Right. They end up going into the fourth quarter down that eight. And these numbers are important. You know why? Because Denver was 11-0 in the playoffs, Brian Shapiro, when leading by double digits at any point in the game. They were 37-1 and this season overall when leading by at least eight points in the fourth quarter. And then we saw what the Miami Heat did, especially in, you mentioned it, the first three and a half minutes of that fourth quarter, they outscored Denver 17 to five in the fourth quarter. And you talked about Duncan Robinson scored all of his points, all of his 10 points Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter was huge for them. And Struess was scored some big baskets for them as well, too, as a guy that was able to uh, put up some numbers offensively. And they were able to do out without one of their catalysts, right? The, the kid from Nevada, who's been one of their best players. Yeah, he's kind of disappeared. He huh? didn't really have a great game yeah. in game one, and they still were able to win the basketball game. So uh there's reasons for concern if you're the Denver Nuggets. That being said, right, Brian? We talked about the numbers, you and I, after watching that game from a betting standpoint mm-hmm. and gambling standpoint. Nobody thinks the Nuggets are losing the series, even though it's 1-1. Going back to Miami. And nothing is more evident of that than what? The minus 260 that Denver is mm-hmm. going into game three of the series to win the series. It's a tie series and they're minus 260. That tells you all you need to know about, uh, you can talk about storylines all you want. You can talk about guys stepping up. You can talk about the Miami Heat guys who have been in this position before and the Nuggets haven't been because it's their first ever NBA. Not not only first chance to win a title, it's the first time the Nuggets have ever been in the NBA Finals right. in their in their franchise's history. All that kind of, to me, is kind of out the window because, you again, we're talking about it's 2023. A lot of these players just kind of, uh, you know, they, they play in the moment. They're not, they're not worried about the past. They're not worried about history or any of that kind of stuff. They're just playing in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big reason. Why the Denver Nuggets are still expected to win this series, even yeah. though it's knotted up one-one. So if you heading to me, South Florida, yeah. So yeah. if you ask me, Chris, do, who do I think is going to win the series? I still think Denver is going to win the series, but I'm not overly confident. I think minus two sixty is a joke. It's a yeah. joke. Um, <laughs> That's disrespectful. Well, it's to a the, joke to, to the me, Miami Heat. Let me tell you something. If Miami wins Game Three, which I don't think they will, I, I think Denver is going to bounce back, and I think they're going to win Game Three. The spread's only like two, two and a half. Yeah. Uh, and I can't wait for that game, right, on Wednesday night. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I like the way the NHL does it, game every other day. I don't. I think there's too much time in between games in the NBA Finals. But with that being said, that's another story. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, the ratings are going to be a little bit higher. Game three, we got a series now. Regardless of what anybody thinks, we got a series. And Malone said it himself. He's concerned. And I agree with him. The effort in the fourth quarter was not there uh, Missed defensive assignments. Even uh, the Joker talked about this in his press conference. They, they were missing assignments. Yeah. What are you doing? You're in the fourth quarter at home in a game that is extremely important. And you're missing defensive assignments. I mean, you know, all due respect, Robinson was really good. But, he, he you know, uncontested layups, he, he, you know, 
You can't do that in the fourth quarter. You just can't. And I will say this, as much as I love Coach Malone, I think he's a really good coach, he made a mistake. And if he's put in a position where they have the ball down by three, next time he's going to call timeout. And I understand what he's trying to do. You trust Murray with the ball. You're trying to get something in the flow of the offense. You don't want to stop the clock. You want to, I, I get that, but I still think it was a mistake. And obviously if Murray hits the shot, then you call him a genius. But, but I think next time he calls a timeout, I think Coach Malone made some mistakes down the stretch as well. Spolstra is a really, really good coach. They have a good coaching staff. They have veteran leadership. And again, I'm going to go back to Kevin Love. He's been there before. He knows what it takes to win a championship. Spolstra putting Love in the starting lineup is something that maybe a lot of coaches wouldn't have done. And I thought that his leadership out there and his presence out there was was really important. Nobody in this series is talking about Adebayo. He has one of the most difficult guarding guards that you could have. And he's trying to guard Joker. And while he's working his tail off on defense, he's able to put up really good numbers on offense. He hit some big shots, particularly late in this game. Adebayo has been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Speaking of that guy that he was guarding, right? Jokic, he was the 14th player, I believe, in finals history to have 41 points or more in a loss, which I, that's, again, it's got to be a little bit concerning if you're the Denver Nuggets. You're, you know, your top guys dropping 40 spots and you're not able to, to win the basketball game. But Brian, I was on another radio show last night. Oh, how and, dare you? Uh, the how other, dare you? Ho- the other host brought up this. I wanted to, I wanted to, 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 to slap this off you. Uh, do you think that, officiating came into play whatsoever when it came to the result of this basketball game? Good question. I'm glad you asked that. Let me be very clear. Anybody who is saying the officials controlled the outcome of the game last night are the same idiots that bet on the Denver Nuggets yesterday. The officials had no say in the outcome of the game. Did they miss a few calls here and there? Sure. But you could also go the other end where Jokic was not followed by Adebayo on a three. There was no contact there. And they gave three free throws to to, to, to the Joker. Uh, there were a few calls missed both ways. If you notice, Malone didn't talk about the officiating. No Denver Nuggets player talked about the officiating. And nobody was writing articles in the media about how the officials were bad. The officials were fine. Mm. Uh, you're, there's going to be a couple calls missed here and there. They did not control the outcome of the game. Let me say again, it, it, the, the people that are complaining about the officials last night are two different types of people. First of all, there are people that are so-called professional sports handicappers that got their play wrong, and they want to blame somebody else and won't own the fact that they were wrong. And then there are the fans out there that are fans of the Denver Nuggets that are biased, that won't admit that the reason why they lost is the reason why your head coach said why they lost – Effort. Nothing to do with the officiating. So no, the officials had no bearing on this. I thought the game was officiated just fine. And uh, there, there's, there's nothing there that's like, oh, it's fixed and they want the series to be extended. No, there's, the fix was not in. The game was officiated just fine. I am an official and I can tell you right now, even though I don't officiate at that level, I can tell when the officials blow a game. And that was not the case last night. One more aspect of the NBA Finals that could change things, Brian. Obviously, Tyler Hero, you know, one of the premier offensive players for the Miami Heat, uh, has been injured. He played two on two on Saturday. Yeah. Shapiro and uh, and continues to uh, make efforts to possibly return in this series. Mm-hmm. Do you? Th- I mean that that obviously would change uh, the perspective of a lot of people when it comes to Miami Heat's prospects in this series. If you get a talent like Tyler Hero in the oh. mix for the Miami Heat, all right. So here's my opinion on that, and it might be different than some people. Right. First of all, 
is he in game shape? Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, I don't care how much you're working out. To put him right in there in, in the NBA Finals uh, is a very difficult spot to put somebody like. And by the way, he's never been in an NBA Finals before. He's a young player. So wait, he was in the finals. Right? Was he in the finals in two thousand in the or two thousand twenty in the bubble? I think so. Okay, you might be right on that. Yeah. I don't really count the bubble, against but you the, might against the Lakers, right? You might be Miami right. And the Lakers. I try not to count the bubble season. Yeah. I kind of yeah. forget about that season. <laughs> I know Lakers fans don't want to, but that was not a regular season. It just wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is even if you're physically a hundred percent, it's a really tough spot to put him in. Spolster's a smarter guy than I. I'm sure what he will do if he feels like he's ready to go, he'll put him in small spurts, right? He's a scorer. He can shoot. He's another guy that you have to defend anywhere on the court. So obviously he's a presence that you have to deal with. Spolster's not going to start him. I don't see that happening at all. I think they found something with Kevin Love. They found something. Put him in there for, for first six or seven minutes of the first. Put him in there, the start of the second half. The, the Miami Heat have found something with Kevin Love. He is a veteran. He's savvy. He's been there before. And he does things that don't show up in the stat sheet. I loved Kevin Love out there. And I saw that right at the beginning of the game. I think the important thing for Miami in game three is you have to match the intensity that you showed in game two. You know that Denver is going to have fire up their ass, so to speak, for lack of a better term. Their coach has challenged them. They know that they blew it in game two. I expect the Denver Nuggets to play with a lot more intensity, and I would not be surprised. I'm not counting out the Miami Heat by any stretch of the imagination, but I would be surprised if Miami won game three. I think the Denver Nuggets are going to come back in game three. How often do you see in professional sports when a head coach calls out the team in a press conference after a game, usually the utmost true professionals will respond. And I believe Murray, who is the utmost professional and his work ethic and what he's done in the offseason, Murray is just an unbelievable basketball player. He is phenomenal. He is a star now in this league. And the Joker and the pride that he plays with. And here's what I love about Joker. The guy always makes the right play. He never forces shots up. He's all he's an unbelievable underrated passer. I think he might be the best passer in, in the history of big men in the league. The best center mm-hmm. to ever pass a basketball in the history of this game. The guy is unbelievable. He's like a guard out there. Um, and another thing you see about Jokic that I think a lot of younger players that are big men need to learn how to do is have that soft touch. Every time the Joker shoots the ball when it hits the rim, it almost seems like all the time he gets the roll. It's it, it's not luck, okay? It's a shooter's touch. There's a reason why they call it that. He has a soft touch around the rim. How many shots did he have yesterday that touched the rim and rattled around and went in? Yeah. That's not luck, okay? Sometimes you get a little lucky with a bounce, He's got that soft touch that I've never seen a big man have in a long time since maybe Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's the master of the front rim, side rim, roll yeah. over the front of it and go in kind of shot. And yeah. the guy has unbelievable range. I mean, we're, does, talk- yeah. we're talking about greatness, and we're talking about a guy that is going to be, in my opinion, when his career is over, not yet, but when his career is over, one of the top 10 players of all time and one of the best centers of all time. And Brian, let's hit on this. Look, we haven't talked about this. This was a game, obviously, where we, we've been heaping praise on the Miami Heat for getting that victory right on the road in Denver at Ball Arena. It went down to the wire, my friend. Jamal Murray had a chance he to did. tie this basketball game at the end of the game, mm-hmm. despite the fact that, as, as you talked about, their coach talking about how they played lackluster, how they didn't play with fire like they want that they, they should. They still 
were within one shot of tying this game and sending it to overtime in which anything could happen. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's look, it's going to be a long flight. It probably was a long flight for the Denver Nuggets to head down to Miami for game three. But uh, there are things that you have uh, uh, to look forward to from a positive standpoint if you're the Denver Nuggets. Brian, uh, I know we're rolling towards the end of the show, but like uh, your thoughts, too, on on uh, on the game day experience yesterday, right? Legends in the house, my friend, mm-hmm. from Peyton Manning, former Denver Denver Broncos quarterback, yep. to uh, Alex English, a, a, a Nuggets legend. Never had a chance to play in NBA Finals, obviously, because he was a, a longtime Nugget. Uh, Lafonso Ellis was atten- in attendance, yep. as well as David Thompson. There's a, a, there, The stars were out. In the Mile High City well, for Game One, let me tell you, my and the friend, first one ever in Denver. Let me tell you, my friend, if you think the stars were out in Denver, wait they'll be out in Miami. Too. Wait till you see Game Three in Miami. Uh, you want to talk about a lot of celebrities that live out there in, in beautiful Miami? Um, I think it's great. Uh, I, I, you know what I love about this NBA Finals? Uh, you know, we always hear the Chalks are always making it and winning the championship and making the finals. We don't have the Golden State Warriors. We don't have the LA Lakers, right? We don't have the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think a lot of people expected the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat to be in the NBA Finals. This is good for the NBA. And I know a lot of people say, oh, we would have liked to have seen the Lakers and the Celtics. Sure, that would have been great. But this is this is really cool. Denver Nuggets have never won an NBA championship, which, by the way, I find hard to believe with all the good teams they've had. We know Miami's been there before, but nobody expects... This is, this is like the journeyman, J- Jimmy Butler. You know, it, there's a lot of cool storylines here, and it's fun. And I really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed these first two games. It's another one of those years, right, where the Cleveland Cavaliers of the NBA or yep. the Dallas Mavericks of the NBA win their, you know, long-awaited championship. Yep. That's going to happen this year if the Denver Nuggets win a title. Chris, a fun couple sports days, right? Let me get your no pick doubt. before we go. Uh, who wins the game tonight? VGK, Florida. Vegas Old Knights in a, in a low-scoring affair. Brian Shapiro. They get like a three-one-four-one victory for Vegas and head down to Sunrise, Florida again in South Florida. A lot, of, a lot of stuff going on in South Florida when it comes to sports lately. And uh, they'll go down there with a two-zero lead in the Stanley Cup Finals. Ah, okay. So I, I, I heard a rumor that you're filling in for TC next week. I am. So what does that mean? TC's got a bunch of hosts, a bunch of hosts all so over the what place. What does that mean? You don't. Does a that mean you Does that mean you don't co-host for me on Monday? You do four hours of radio? Yeah, you, you, you and Guy are probably going to have to hold the fort down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, he's turning me down. Man. You can always come in at the uh, three o'clock or the 1 o'clock hour. As much as this brightens my day every yes. Monday that I get a chance to jump on with PTL and Brian Shapiro. Fair enough. And soon-to-be Guy. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a person, too much radio. One person like who will not be joining us on the show tomorrow is Stephanie Phillips, but Rhonda Kennedy will be here tomorrow, uh, along with my permanent co-host. It's day one for him. Guy David's going to be in studio tomorrow co-hosting with me, so I'm certainly looking Speaking forward to Speaking of throwing that. somebody in the fire, right, guys? Yeah, yeah, he's going to be thrown right into it, man. The Australian fire. Uh, but uh, anyway, that'll be fun, Chris. Always appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for being here, as always. I owe you lunch again. Have a good my week, friend. And uh, we will uh, see you tomorrow and hopefully be talking about a VGK victory. Have a great day, everybody.